This is the University of Northern Colorado Bears Coaches Show. Live at the Goat Sports Bar on Northern Colorado's Voice. 103.1 and 1310 KFKA. Here's Blake Olson and Matt Gator. Thank you very much for tuning in tonight. You can listen to us every Tuesday night at 6.30 during the football season. Uh, Listen to Matt Gator and myself. Uh, We do the games. Matt Gator, our color analyst and head coach Ed Lamb is here from the University of Northern Colorado. I'm Blake Olson and Coach, great to see you. That was a difficult loss, I know, for everyone involved because as I watched the game and as Matt watched the game, we felt like it was a winnable game, and you were—you may have been a better football team. Yeah, those are uh, particularly disappointing because we uh, we certainly did at times were dominant in that game, r- uh, rushed the football in a dominant way, uh, played stretches of defense uh, that were that were fantastic uh, through the first quarter, uh, the se- and the third quarter as well, and uh, just you know in the end. Um, uh, too many, too many mistakes and uncharacteristic mistakes. You know, we hadn't, we, we really hadn't had uh, to this point in the season plenty of disappointment, uh, no doubt about it. But hadn't had uh, th- those types of mistakes, uh, and we were, we were really uh, snake bitten in that game. Feel like if we played the game multiple times, that we'd, we'd have multiple wins. But uh, you know, that's not how it's, that's not how it works, unfortunately. So, coach, I want to ask a little bit about. Obviously, Blake had that play fumbling the ball through the end zone. It's, I know that's something never going to happen to him again in his football career. D-line jumped offside six times. The defense got trapped out there with, I think, would have been 13 guys on the field. You had to burn a timeout in, the, I think, either the second or fourth quarter for that. It seemed like there were just a lot of discipline issues going on in that game. What, how do you respond to that, and kind of where do you, how do you build on that going forward? Well, number one, discipline issues are on the coach. You know, that's that's uh, the coaching staff. So we have to take responsibility for that. We're uh, even even in the case of fumbles and things. There's still there's opportunities to coach ball security. Uh, the, the substitution error that you mentioned that's that's on the the coaching staff. I mean, yeah, certainly you can you can uh, you can kind of shirk responsibility as a coach and say, well, it's the player's job to hold on to the football. Uh, there's there's no even casual fan that doesn't understand how to stay on sides on defense. You don't you don't jump you don't try to jump the clap, right? And and uh, you know we need eleven guys on the field at all times. That's you know the players can handle that, but that's shirking responsibility. Uh, the reality is that a, a well-disciplined team and a winning football team is a reflection of the coaching, and so is a so is a losing football team. And right now, we've got a lot of work to do in that area. For Bears fans that didn't see the game or listen to the game on 103.1 and 1310 KFK, the encouraging thing I thought right at the beginning of the game, the defense—you come out, you bat a ball intercepted by Dustin Johnson, who was, by the way, our guest last week right here on the UNC Coaches Show. But the energy was there, the passion was there, and I was excited because he had a defensive lineman getting their hand up and batting the ball. But that was a great way to start the game, very positive. Yeah, sure was. Yeah, the the first uh, couple of series were fantastic defensive uh, series, uh, you know, they, they made uh, Idaho State made some adjustments and uh, punched, you know, a score in there at the end of the fir- right at the end of the first quarter, and we made some adjustments back and got some more stops, and then, you know, they we, we missed a field goal, um, punted a couple times deep from our own end. Uh, they weren't very good punts. It was the first time we didn't punt the ball effectively, and and that led to some really short fields, which 
facing an offense like that, they get more and more aggressive. You know, in their own end, it's really hard for a passing offense to be aggressive. They don't want to give up sacks. They don't want to go for it on fourth down. And, uh, you know, so they, they get a little more conservative. So field position in a, uh, against a passing offense is such a huge part of the game, and we really lost that battle in, in large part because we did not punt the ball very well. Obviously got stalled out in our own end too many times too on offense. So Coach, what can you say about the rushing attack? Because I would say of all the things, that's the, one, the brightest spot yeah. of this game had more than 200 yards rushing, 200-yard rushers between Darius Stewart and David Afari. And how do you feel like they did and followed behind that offensive line? Yeah, um, really good. Uh, definitely a step in the right direction. Very positive, uh, something to build on. You know, when I when I got here, when I took the job, like almost anybody that had any knowledge of the team, so it was the O-line. The O-line's not very good. The O-line's not very big. The O-line's not very strong. We've got a big, strong offensive line. They're still young. Uh, they'll be better than they are now, but they took a major step forward. Um, some of, uh, some of uh, the, the rushing statistics from the game were, were simply it, we were taking what was there. Uh, the guys were blocking it well, but there was also a schematic uh, advantage that we, that we had in rushing the football. And, and uh, you know, uh, Idaho State was sticking to their 3-3 you know, front, and we were bringing in our big, big people and really moving them off the ball. So it's a physical advantage we knew we had. We talked about it going into the game. We told the players we'd have that physical advantage. We knew we would outrush Idaho State. So it's not something that we want to say, hey, this is like this is going to be something that we easily repeat every week. That was available in that game. I thought it's something to build on for the offensive line. The backs ran incredibly hard, and that is that is uh, repeatable. Um, and certainly the offensive line building in confidence and experience. Well, we've talked about this before, but I, I think we should repeat it because Afari was able to run so well and Stewart was able to run so well. What makes those guys different and what makes them good college running backs? Uh, well, they, they, you know, for me, it's physicality, it's preparation, and those, both those guys are physically strong. They're, they're big backs. They're 200-plus pound backs. Um, they're strong in the weight room. They bring it every day uh, to practice, and they're very humble, I would say. And that, that to me... You know, most most running backs that really have any any durability and that last in the game, uh, NFL or otherwise, there's a humility there. It's not the same type of, of skill player out at, out at receiver. Th- these are guys that you know recognize that you can't you can't carry the ball 70 times a game. Every receiver wants to get 70 targets a game, right? Yes. Running backs realize there's a pounding there. You need two, four, five good ones to get through the season. They recognize that a lot of their success is based on the O-line, and these two guys are both great leaders in that way. They're in and out of the game, you know, giving each other five as they go by. They're rooting for the next guy. You know, I think Jacques right now is the third on the depth chart. They would do the same for him, very similar, humble uh, personality. A lot of confidence, a lot of ability, but humility, I think, is a key for both those guys. And so you're talking about having that support from teammates. So going back to that Blake play, a pivotal play in the game, I know you're not a big message guy or lead by example, but did you talk to Blake at all after that, or was that more kind of letting his teammates talk to him, say, hey, we've got your back, we're here for you, it's not going to happen again? Yeah, you know, I actually failed Blake in, in that moment. A few, a few moments later he came up and, and said, hey, coach, that was on, that was on me, and I, and I started coaching him and said, you know, in that situation you want to make sure that you're weaving. You know, when, you, when you're not sure who's behind you, you've got to weave slightly. You've got to have two hands on it when you, when you cross the end zone, and you certainly got to sprint full speed all the way through. It's always worth it. You know, and he took the coaching, and it was the, it was the correct coaching, but in that moment what he was trying to say was, I'm sorry. You know, I, 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 you know, I, <laughs> I, I recognize that that was a major play, and 
I'm crushed, you know, and, and I didn't, I didn't, I just wasn't, um, you know, wasn't prepared mentally sure. to, to give him the eye contact, the attention and say, hey, you're not there if you don't make the catch and you're not in the game if you don't, if you don't prove it all year round and earn that position and, and you're our guy on all three phases of the game, you play your guts out. And, and you know, that's, that's what I should have said at that moment. I didn't. So fans listening right now, when you say weaving, maybe take a, a, an outside angle if you see it clear, right? I mean, yeah. you want to get to the end zone as quickly as possible. Yeah. And you're going full speed. You don't want to slow down uh, like you just ran through the tape of 100 meters. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but is that what you're talking about when you're talking about weaving? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I think we all we all like understand he he, he didn't know anybody was around him. Right. But like uh-huh. you, it doesn't take you don't have to be a football player. You see somebody running from a dog like you're, you're weaving. You're, <laughs> right. you're, you're, you're trying to find a car to get on the other side yes. of you're trying to change direction and, yes. and buy as much time as you possibly can. And I just don't <laughs> think he once he broke that tackle, he didn't think anyone else was there. And, and in fact, we knew he knew the exact defense that that play would hit. That was a run pass option. And so he knew that their key when they when they brought their safety down hard on that run fake, he knew it was just going to be one tackle to break, and then he was gone. Uh, and nobody in practice was able to come from the other side of the field and catch him, and so he just right. he felt like he was out there in the clear, and, and he wasn't. I saw Ty Arrington talking with him quite a bit on the sideline after that plays. It, it seems to me like Ty is one of those leaders and guys on the team that you can count on. To He's always going to have the teammates back and be there for him in that situation. Is he kind of that type of guy for you guys in that wide receiver room? Uh, absolutely, yeah. He's uh, yeah, not, and not just the wide receiver room for the whole team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and really, Ty and Blake both. Those are guys that they come out and compete every day. And it's not you know, uh, it's not that there's never any any conflict between them and the defensive backs or something like that. Like that's competitive uh, everyday uh, football. But uh, those guys bring it every day. And there's not a you you can't find a player on our team who uh, doesn't respect those those two guys for the way that they work, the way they bring it every day. You're listening to UNC Bears head football coach Ed Lamb after week four. We get ready for week five coming up this uh, weekend on Saturday at 1 o'clock against Weber State. The pregame show begins at 12 noon on 103.1 and 13.10 KFK. I'm Blake Olson along with Matt Gator, Coach Lamb, and all of us here, including superfan Terry Gaber, will return at the GOAT in West Greeley for much more as we get ready for Weber State and talk more maybe about the defense when we return. So stay with us. Welcome back to West Greeley and the GOAT for the UNC Coaches Show with UNC Head Coach Ed Lamb. I'm Blake Olson along with Matt Gator, and we have this Saturday's game. Big Sky Conference continues in Week 5 as Weber State comes to town, a really good team, uh, excellent program uh, in Big Sky Conference football in the FCS. This is going to be a team... uh, they didn't come out on top against Montana State, of course, but uh, I think most of us expected that. However, you know you're going to see a talented uh, program come in to town on Saturday, correct, Coach? Absolutely. Yep. They're uh, they're a physical team, so you know I think what we're that's what that's what we're trying to build is physicality, uh, weight room, fundamental, grounded team, and uh, you know I think that's that started to show up last week, 
uh, in our first game in Big Sky. I think we served notice that we're a physical football team, offensively and defensively. Didn't get the win, but uh, you know, like like we said, some things to build on. This week is a new challenge. There, you know, I don't know that Idaho State was necessarily trying to match us uh, physically. They were trying to make some tough contested catches, and they did. And they were trying to cause chaos in defense, and they did enough to get enough stops to win. Uh, this is a different uh, schematic, a different uh, fundamentally built team. They're gonna be, it's going to be based on physicality. They're going to try to run the football. They're going to try to outrush us. They're going to think that whoever rushes for most yards is going to win the game. And uh, we've got, we got to find a way to, um, to compete and uh, you know, basically fight, uh, fight to be the most physical team that wants it more on that day. So, Coach, I know a lot of people like to say, because obviously Weber State just got beat 40 to nothing against Montana State, and a lot of people say, oh, this, this team's going to be pissed off coming into this next week. Is there yeah. any truth to that, do you think? Or I mean, You guys just lost two. You guys are also going to be pissed off <laughs> yeah. coming into play. Is, is there any truth to that when a team gets beat 40 to nothing, or is it you're both 0-1 in conference play and kind of ready for this next game? I think it's the character of the team. I think the highest aspiration for a team or a coach would be, you know, that, that when, you, when you lose, there's, there's increased motivation. And, uh, and I, you know, what I would expect that a program like Weaver that's used to winning, that that, that would probably be the outcome of losing. Uh, and, you know, and, and then there's certainly you can have teams that are folding, that are, you know, saying all this work is not worth it. We don't have a chance to win. Why put in all this work? And so, you know, right now, I, I you know, I, I think it's just up to the team. I know that I know that our team's still in it. And that's that's who I can speak for. Uh, speak hypothetically about other teams and what they might be, but our team's still in it. They're still working hard. Uh, they still believe. Uh, had a <clears throat> um, about a 15-minute lecture today when when we first met. You know, to kind of set the tone for the week. I'd had some leaders come to me. Uh, you know, it's a long answer to your question, but I had some of the team leaders come to me. They were upset that people were in the locker room were complaining. Complaining about teammates, complaining about coaches, complaining about not getting the ball enough, complaining about not getting enough playing time. And, uh, you know, I told him, look, I, I, I've been incredibly fortunate. Uh, player, coach, like uh, over a dozen times I've been on a championship a football program or, or, or uh, a coach of, the, of a championship team. Uh, all locker rooms, winning programs, still have guys that are immature, complain. They don't, they don't you know, they disassociate themselves from anything that's going wrong. We're going to have that too, whether we're winning or losing. We're not going to kick these guys off the program. If you consider yourself a leader on this team, you need people to lead. Those are the people. Mm-hmm. You know, all we require, you show up every day, you lift hard, you practice hard, and you show up clear-eyed. Like, you know, you, you live your life sure. so that you don't, you, you're, going to, you're going to party all night and try to show up for this program. You're not going to last anyway. So in that situation, this is interesting. So you really want... And we see it every day. I see it, and I'm, I'm sure Gator sees it as well. You want these players to be the leaders and not have to run to the coaches to solve these problems. They need to solve these problems from within. And it's, kind of, it's just like being a parent because, <laughs> I mean, I've dealt with this three or th- probably two or three times. In these situations, they've got to, they have to figure that out and the complexity of the locker room. And that's, that's interesting because a lot of people would think, okay, uh, you're going you're gonna to have 30 guys individually come to your office and you're going to talk, talk to them one-on-one. That's not going to happen, correct? Oh, they, uh, yeah, there's, we certainly have – got a stream of guys coming through my office uh, sure. when, it's, when it's appropriate and necessary. Or sure. They know I, I've got an open door when, there's, when they've got issues. But the, the, 
the issue is that, to me, a, a head coach has to – the team is going to be a reflection of the head coach, and the head coach has to be mm-hmm. authentic to himself, right, uh, right. so that the players see it as authentic. Right. And, and I believe that the highest potential of a team is that the leadership comes from within um, uh, for things like that, you know, stuff right. that happens in the locker room. Exactly. I don't want them coming running to me to tell me about what's going on in the locker room. Now, if there's, you know, if we got some kind of assault or something, that's a different sure. story. But, yeah, that's a but whole, we're talking about normal locker room complaining. These, these guys are, they care. They're, they're venting to each other. They care about what's going on. And I, that I can respect. Now, you know, lecturing and teaching them about the appropriate way to complain, yeah, I'm, I'm all over that. But we're not going to chase guys out of here because they're not, you know, because that they have a problem with losing. Yeah. And, and let, let me be very – I've been very clear with them all the time. Coaches do make mistakes. We make mistakes in scheme. We make mistakes in play calling. We make mistakes in depth chart. We try to correct them just as the players correct theirs mm-hmm. every week. So, Coach, I want to ask you a little bit about your coaching philosophy then. It feels like every time we see you kind of no matter what's going on at, the, at a game, at a practice, you're always just super even keel. Are, are you ever a yeller or just really – I know you hold guys accountable, but really getting on guys or – getting after him or do you kind of let that let the teammates take care of that uh no it, it, practice is the time yeah, yeah and i and that's part of our part of our mo uh when the, but by the time the game that gets there I, I say this in front of the players if me and the coaches haven't taught you what we need to teach you by the time the game gets here that's as much on us so we'll make the corrections during the game we'll coach but as far as just yelling at you like like you're a butthole or you cost us the game <laughs> like we're the buttholes you know <laughs> And that's, I think that's important. That's uh-huh. important. The, the, the players are starting to understand, like, I'm not going anywhere. They can come back. They can graduate from here, have a great career, whatever. They can come back in five years. We're still going to be doing the same thing. I'm still mm-hmm. going to be coaching the same way. We're going to lift before practice. We're going to be a strong, physical football team. We're going to get our work done at a rapid pace. In 90 minutes, we're going to get off the field, and they're not going to have to hear too many lectures from me. I'm gonna, if I didn't say it before practice, I'm not going to drag them there after practice. Those things are never going to change. Yeah, and that's a, that's a blessing if you're a college football player. This is where you want to come. And by the way, if you're listening right now, make your way up to Greeley, and, and we'd love to have you in the UNC football program in the, next, uh, in the years to come. Speaking of young players with a... Uh, Plenty of potential. Noah Mangum, one of the corners, got his uh, feet wet, uh, the redshirt freshman. And I was impressed with him on the scout team last year. Almost every day, he seemed to have made a play. How did he do? Uh, You just said it. Yeah, young, promising. He played young and promising. He (laughs) he made some really nice plays. Uh, He had a gray area uh, pass interference that he celebrated. And uh, I thought the official was going to keep the flag in the pocket until he celebrated kind of over the top of the player. He made a fantastic play, really did uh, execute everything, and he'll learn from that. And that's something that, uh, you know, with the exception of Jacob Sermon, this whole team is back next year, (laughs) plus anybody we develop and recruit. Yeah, we we forget that. We tend to forget that. When when, when we talk about learning, (laughs) right, like these guys are learning, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with now. I'm not looking at next year. You know, I, I just bring that up because you, sure. you brought up the youth of Noah. Right. I'm looking at this week, and I expect this to be successful this year. I keep saying it. The talent mm-hmm. is there. Uh, we just got to pull the pull the character out. We got to keep coaching it hard. We got to get these guys to realize what it takes on game day to win. Speaking of young guys on the defensive side of the ball, Marcus Howard seems like he's been getting more and more playing time, kind of as the season goes. Is, 
And it feels like just watching him every time he's out there, that's just going to continue to happen because every time he's out there, it feels like he's in the backfield either batting down a pass, getting after the quarterback, making a TFL. Yeah. Is, how has, has, what, what has led to his improvement throughout this year so far? Well, I mean, when I got here in January, he was 220 pounds. <laughs> and, a, and a linebacker. Yeah, and, he, and, yeah, and he's, he's 265 pounds now and growing, right? And so yes. and that's, that's what we do. Like, we hold these guys publicly accountable, like, through, through pride and shame, a little combination of both. Like, you need to weigh this much to be the best football player you can be. You need to be this strong. He's answered the call every time. And now he's, he's still growing into that. Literally during the season, he's growing into that body, learning how to use it. And it's been really impressive to see him over the last few weeks just increase his ability and increase his playmaking. Coach, nice to be back home this weekend after getting on a plane the last two weeks and going through all that. What's interesting, if you could talk about that and also how, how just being home is nice. And you elect not to walk the field the, the day before if you're on the road. Why do you do that? Yeah, so, you know, after uh, 25 years plus of coaching, <laughs> 25 years of coaching plus the, all the, you know, the, the college football that I played uh, for five years. So a couple. Yeah, yeah, right? It's going on 30 years now and, and done it both ways. And even as a head coach, have done it both ways. Okay. And here's, here's what I've learned. We, we've, I've coached on great teams that don't go to the stadium. And the philosophy behind that was, look, uh, we're, we're wasting time. It's one more logistic to throw into the mix. Um, we're, 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 uh, we're taking the players to a place to get them relaxed. But I'm not really sure that I want them all that relaxed, you know, the <laughs> next day. Like, I like them walking into the stadium for the first time and saying, check this out. It's on, you know. And, yeah. and so I like that. And, and we've won like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I've had years where we visited the stadiums and won, and I've had years where we visited the stadiums and lost, and I've had years where we, where we visited. You know, it's, like, it, it's, it's just, interesting. Yeah, they're, they're, so, so my fundamental philosophy, Gators heard me say this before many times when, when stuff comes up in the athletic department. Uh-huh. One of my fundamental philosophies is it's my job to fight to remove anything that would build unnecessary resentment for the players. From financial aid to the flow of our of our athletic department to you know the the, the way that their scholarships are uh, divvied out the way that their meals what the what kind of food they're eating like if I can within our budgetary constraints if I can affect it if I can make it better for the players the clothes they wear the uniforms mm-hmm. if I can make that better that's my job to do it that's how I see a big part of my job remove unnecessary distractions remove unnecessary resentment and. I think the stadium is, you know, going and walking through the stadium is one of those things. Some guys enjoy it. Some guys don't. To me, it's very much like music in the locker room. You know, a lot of teams, I've been on them, whoever's the most powerful guy, like the biggest D lineman, <laughs> they carry in the big-ass speaker. Oh, sorry. That's a, I'm not supposed to say that word. They carry in the biggest speaker, and they you blow everybody else, right? right? And, uh, you know, when uh, – and then everybody else just has to deal with their music, you know? And so we have a no music rule. You, you put music in your ears, whatever you want, but you're not going to force everybody else to listen to your music. There's too many different tastes. All right. Co- Coach, I, I love all of those answers. And so do I. As a player, that's something I think I would really appreciate a lot. Um, before we let you go, though, we're going to have Darius Stewart on for the second half of the show. What can you tell us about the type of player he is, the leader he's turning into, and just even off the playing field? Yeah, Darius, is, it, that's everything that we're looking for. Like, I've made it clear we want to recruit Colorado players, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the one thing. He's not, he's not from Colorado. We won't have uh, 100% of our roster be from Colorado. But when we go out of state – it's got to be a guy with speed, 
size, character. This is the guy that has 100% respect of his teammates. He shows up every day. He's humble. He works hard. He's one of the strongest players on the team, one of the fastest players on the team, one of the most popular players on the team. No off-field issues, no concern about academically. He's going to graduate. He's going to be great at whatever he does. This is just football's just this stop, mm-hmm. even if he plays the game for 20 years more. Right. That's just this stop. I'm anxious to see what he is after football as well. He's excited about that as, as what he is here. Coach, thank you very much for tonight once again, and uh, thank you for everything you're doing at UNC Bears football. I saw it on Saturday. I know we didn't come away with the victory, but you could really see your program improving, and I'm excited about this Saturday, so good luck. Thank you, Blake. Appreciate it. You're welcome, and say hello to the family, and enjoy the rest of the week, and we have much more to come on the UNC Bears Coaches Show from the GOAT. Terry Gaber, super fan, is out here. Come and get his autograph along with Darius Stewart. And every Tuesday, you can talk to Coach Lamb uh, before every game. We'll be back on 103.1 and 1310 KFKA. Stay with us. Welcome back to West Greeley and the GOAT. This is the UNC Coaches Show. We're here every Tuesday night on 103.1 and 1310 KFK. I'm Blake Olson along with Matt Gator, the color analyst. I do the play-by-play. Terry Gaber is here, super fan. He's here every week. And we have some great Bears fans here tonight at the restaurant in West Greeley. And uh, they've won some prizes here and we have a special guest right now running back Darius Stewart who rushed for 124 yards and your first career collegiate touchdown so my first collegiate touchdown was against Washington State I had a receiving touchdown oh you did first rushing touchdown thank you very yes, much because that was a great grab and getting into the end zone yes sir. and what you did it. in Pullman was amazing your first one on the ground and it was a thing of beauty you, you I love how you bounced it out yep. saw that speed you saw the end zone I want you to take us through that play call tell us what the what the uh, play was and take us through the the touchdown run so uh, our uh, my running back coach, that's his baby. That his play is called Halo. So um, how I, how I look at it, I'm waiting for the tight end to crash and bouncing <laughs> backside. So I'll say my thanks goes to the line and Kyle Helbig for letting me get to the end zone. So right when I bounced out, went to the end zone, used my speed. Covered the ball with two two hands That's just in case. You I, sure I did. Fumble. That was the first thing <laughs> Coach Lamb brought brought us to brought up to all of us at the in the running back room was ball security. So making sure I don't get the ball poked out or anything like that. So it felt amazing. It felt amazing. But just being up seven zero, I felt it was a, it was a lot more game left. So I couldn't be too excited. I just wanted to keep on going. That was awesome. That was fun to watch. So Darius, I want to talk to you a little bit as a f- former lineman, mm-hmm. former teammate of yours. Yes. Big, one of my biggest pet peeves as a lineman is when running backs don't don't just don't read the holes, don't hit the holes, <laughs> and they bump it outside. Yes, uh-huh. there there were a couple times in the game where I felt like you do, did that, and I was like, "What is he doing?" And then you use this, <laughs> use your speed, get around the edge, gain fifteen yards, and I'm like, "It's like I want to be mad." And then I'm like, "I mean, he gained fifteen yards and got a first down. So what am I what yep. am I going to complain about?" So I. Uh, I think throughout my life I had a problem doing that because I've always been fast. I think I want to thank my parents for that. 
for <laughs> giving me and my brothers that. So, right. yeah, I, I have no problem going through the tackles. No. Go, go, <laughs> go through all the hell that, that's in the middle with all the linebackers. You said D-line. all the hell that's yeah. in the middle. It's a lot. That is, that is correct. It's a lot. So, um, <laughs> if I feel and I can see the edge and I feel like I could turn the corner fast enough, I'm going to do it every time. I'm not going to lie to you, man. It, it feels good. I felt like I had a, a lot of runs that were like that. And it worked out. It worked out in a lot of ways, and I appreciate that. So I always appreciate you guys pushing a pile, <laughs> opening up the holes in the middle. If I see it, I'm going to burst right through. If I feel a little off about it, I'm going to go around. I'm going to go around. At the same time, Darius, doesn't it feel good when you have that beautiful hole oh, yes. right up the middle, oh, yes. the two or four or the three or the five? I mean, you're, right, you're going right up the, the, the B gap. Tell us about a, a run right up the middle like that. I, I love seeing those type of runs right when I get the ball handed to me. I see it, and the only thing I can do is smile. Yes. I'm like, go, yes. run, run. Yes. Because how, how this game is, you can see a hole like that, and, could, and it could close so fast. So it really has to be on right. your instincts. You're either going to go right away or press it just a little bit, be patient, or bounce out. You'll find a way. Like, like uh, my coach always tells us, be a playmaker at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Try to make something work. If that hole, if the hole's there and it closes on you, find a different way. It's never gonna stop unless you stop doing it. So, I love that. I feel love. like, I feel like right now we have a really good running back tandem going. Yes, between yes. you, David Afari. I feel like we have different styles, and I'm not taking a shot. I feel like he's nah. he's a little bit bigger. Yeah, more a more physical runner. You guys are both elusive. I've mm. seen you both make guys miss at the line of scrimmage. Yes, but he's more physical, more so gonna deliver a hit to backers that are coming down and you're this have more speed mm-hmm. going to get around the edge. How do you think that makes it hard for defenses to prepare for you guys? Cause you never know what you're going to get. A beautiful one, two punch. Um, in my opinion, who's one, both, <laughs> both. I knew, I knew you were never know. Just had to test 20. your number zero though. Hey, so, uh, um, <laughs> it's the zero one punch. Hey, but, uh, how, how I look at it. We're, we're, the, we're the two best running back duos in the uh, big sky and how I look at it. I think throughout the rest of the uh, time in our conference, we're continuing to prove that. We'll continue to stack our yards and build to being all conference players. That's why I see both of us being at. Um, I feel as we could both be first team all big sky uh, conference players. And I believe that I see it and I understand it. Um, I think um, throughout the rest of the season, uh, we're going to keep continue to show that we can't, we can play above and against anybody. I don't care if you're Montana State. I don't care if you're um, – I don't care if you're um, Montana, Weber State, any of these big, these big teams. I know we can run against them. And like like you just said, we we can both bring every everything to the table. Yeah, uh, I'm fast. I could I can do everything. You no, know? I feel like I could, I could apply that pressure to every dang team. I don't think I could be taken down. Mm-hmm. Um and the same thing goes, goes with David. David is a super, super strong runner. And also feels has he's super fast. Yeah. And once he turns up an edge, nobody's going to catch him. That's right. So um, I feel as throughout the, the rest of the year, we're going to continue to build and be as great as our coach pushes us to be and mentally uh, being stronger and ju- just wanting to be the best. Because I, I already see that with both of us. And I appreciate that so much. I, don't even, I haven't even told him that. But I, I appreciate how he is as a as a player and as a man. And usually, usually I, I would think in the past you had jealousy with 
having two running backs. You always have one running back feeling like he should get all the carries or mm-hmm. this, this, and that. Right. But I feel like in this day and age, you need to have two running backs because somebody can easily get hurt. So That's right. we're having both of us back there. It's like, dang, what do you do? What do you do? How do you <laughs> stop that? Right. Okay, boom, we stopped him for three hours. Oh, wait, somebody else is coming in. He's going to get six. He's going to get seven. He might get to the end zone. He'll always find a way. So, like I said from the beginning, when we first started talking about this, I feel like we're the best running back duo in the big sky. And we're going to show that this week and for the rest of the dang time throughout this season. You're listening to Darius Stewart, the, one of the running backs, one of the great running backs from the University of Northern Colorado. And the Bears had a huge weekend, his first rushing touchdown uh, of his collegiate career. And you're a redshirt sophomore, so you have two more years yes, on the field, which is so encouraging. Yep. I'm so excited about that. Uh, and had his uh, first receiving touchdown last week against Washington State in Pullman. Now, I don't think we talk about this. We're going to take a break after this question, then we're going to get into your family life and talk about you growing up and some interesting questions. But I don't think we talk about this enough with the running back. To me, I'm an old option quarterback, so I know what it feels like to be in that mesh. Mm -hmm. Okay, How often, a lot of people probably think that the quarterback is just giving you the ball. Yeah. How often, how many of the plays, would you say 80%, 70% are gives as opposed to an option where the, the ball is in your belly and Jacob Sermon is not certain if he's going to give it to you, mm-hmm. he's going to push it in your, in your belly, in your chest, you're going to hold on to it and you're going to take off? I mean, it, you don't know. It's a split second yeah. thing. Can you talk about that? Uh, I think 80% of the players were going to be giving it to us. Uh, 80%? Uh, okay. I think now after last week's game, Serm <laughs> brought out uh, a part of him like, dang, he can actually run. He, he, he's running and <laughs> getting right. a lot of yards. That's right. And so I feel as if we can mesh that together with uh, a read option. Yes. Seeing, so we can fake out the uh, defense because how it looks on film from these last four games, right. we've been getting the ball. So we can have the D-line linebackers uh, crash on us, and he could just bounce out and make exactly. something work for four or five, maybe 12 yards or whatever it has to be. I think that would make everything so great. He's man. a big dude. Yeah, he is. Huge. Yeah. But that, that is, you talked about ball security earlier. That's a difficult thing. Yeah. With the running back and the quarterback, you've got to be in lockstep with one another. And yes. You have to know each other well. Be my be like locked in like all the time so every yeah. every practice before uh walkthroughs or anything we'll do um um meshes with the quarterbacks at mm-hmm. going through every single run making sure we're uh locked in on where we should be with uh our footwork and where yeah. he should be placing the ball and so we don't run into any problems in the game exactly because that will be all hell will break loose if that <laughs> yeah, happens that's right because he's either he's going to get killed Yep. And have the ball, or I'm going to get killed and have the ball. Or <laughs> no the ball's going to end up in the ground. No doubt. So constantly practicing that and being neck-to-neck on it and just making sure that we're good regardless, no matter what run it is. No question. Darius Stewart, running back for UNC, your Bears. We're going to come back to the GOAT and Wes Greeley on the UNC Bears Coaches Show on 103.1 and 13.10 KFK. We'll talk more with Darius, and Matt and I have a few questions for him. We may play a little game show with him. Stay tuned on 103.1 and 13.10 KFK. Hey, 
And welcome back to Wes Greeley and the GOAT. And you are listening to the UNC Coaches Show right here on 103.1 and 1310 KFKA. Blake Olson along with Matt Gator and Darius Stewart, the outstanding running back, scored uh, his first rushing touchdown of his career over the weekend at Idaho State in Holt Arena in the mini dome there. Great to see it. He bounced it outside, got into the end zone. And Darius, your speed, I think if you, you may have told me this two months ago. I don't know when it was. I, uh, I believe your, your mom was a track athlete. Is that correct? Tell yes, me sir. about your parents. Uh, so my mom, my mom uh, grew up in San Jose, California, uh, ran track her whole life, uh, was, out, was at Cal Berkeley for a little bit, and then transferred to UNOV and started running track there. Uh, my dad grew up in, um, he was born in Pennsylvania, but he grew up in California. And so he got a scholarship to UNLV, and that's how both of them met. And that's uh, awesome. my dad played football there, my mom ran track, then had me and all my brothers and <laughs> had all athletes. And both of them, both of them were super fast. Um, I love that. I, I, I'm happy you're talking about my family. Uh, you bet. How many brothers? Two, two others. So, so I got, I got, a, I got a lot, I got a lot of uh, siblings. siblings. I got a lot of siblings, uh, mainly on my dad's side. Um, I got a lot, but with <laughs> bo- with, with both parents, with both parents, it's uh, it's my it's Daje, that's our oldest. Then there's me. Then I have two twin little brothers, Donovan and Darian. Okay. Uh, they just turned twenty a couple of days ago. And then on my dad's side, I have a sister, Morgan. And then I have a brother, uh, Jonathan. He just turned 20 today. Awesome. And Happy birthday, Jonathan. Yup. Um, and just talk about my family. That's my reason before about anything and everything that but I do. One of them or two of them play at UNLV. Is that correct? Or is, so, that, is that still? So um, only one, one of them, Donovan, one of the twins, the oldest twin, he goes to uh, Mount, Mount Sack. He runs uh, track there. Okay. And then Daring, he goes to University of Utah, and he plays safety oh, over there. Oh, he's at Utah. Yes, sir. That's right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's right. Great athlete. Great yes. player. Yes. So are there any competitions then just from within the family? Who's, who's the fastest? Um, I'll say now Donovan, got the, Donovan has the speed. Donovan's faster than all of us. If I if I could rank it, it goes. Does that hurt to say? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. I think once I got it older and started to realize, I'm like, dang, yeah, they outgrew me when it came to that. So yeah. right now, it's Donovan, Darian, then it, then it's me. But I feel as us growing up, I felt as I was the fastest. Yeah. Okay. But I, I put on too much muscle and all that, so I, I really lost the lankiness, and I can't really move like that, like as I used to. Yeah, against so, the against the track athletes, come on. Yeah, I mean, that's, so, that's a heck of a disadvantage. Yeah, I try you. I try to keep up with them uh, <laughs> when I go back home. I try to train as much as I can with my with our track coach, mm-hmm. and try try to uh, push myself as much as I can, and try to get, catch up with them. But he so has it. When was the last time that you lined up with all your brothers uh, and ran a hundred or a, a forty? So. The last, I can't remember. It was probably practice. It was probably practice in high school. Uh-huh. But um, I'll say, like, the last time that we were on the same team together and won something that's memorable for all of us, I would say my eighth grade year and their seventh grade year, we went to the uh, Junior, Olymp- Junior Olympics in Sacramento, California. Wow. And we got uh, number one in the nation in the 4 by one relay. Oh, wow. And I think uh, that was the most monumental. And so – 
What leg were you in that? Uh, I was the second leg. You were the second leg. The second leg was always the fastest. That's, <laughs> that's why I say. That's why I said back then. Back then, I was the fastest. I was the fastest. So it goes. How the relay was? It was. Um, it was our one of our friends, Aces. He was first. I was second. Uh, Daring was third leg, and Donovan was fourth leg. So seeing, cool. seeing Donovan finish off. And letting us get the uh, gold, gold medal for that, I, I will always go back on to that and smile about wow, it. Wow, what a great experience. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, listen, we're going to play a little game show with you. We do this um, once a week, trying to find out how much you know about your teammates. Oh, okay? oh who good. All right, so All you, right. Mentioned, you mentioned this guy earlier. Now, do you think you're going to fare well, or what do you think? I don't know. We're going to see. We're going <laughs> to see. We're going to see. All right. Let me see. Um, here, let's try this one. Um, you can't hear it, mm. but we have game show music underneath you, uh, I, I think. Can I, can, can I get a hint? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, what do you think of? I'm going to help you win this thing. Okay. And because I'm going to give you absolutely nothing, Darius. Uh, here we go. Uh, uh, a witch uses this. That's that. That Come is on. the hint. That will be a portion. Oh, Broomfield. Hey, oh. Darius Stewart. <laughs> okay. Nice job, okay. Darius okay. Stewart. Okay. Very good. Now, okay. So for bonus points, okay. okay what high school did he go to? Oh no. <laughs> One hundred three point one and thirteen ten KFKA. Say, I know what you're going to say. Vincent King. Um, I'm gonna still put Kevon in there. Kevon, because he goes hard. I'm, I'm, I'm best friends with the dude, but he's gonna try to kill me and do some extra. (laughs) Um, And you grew up together, is that correct, or different high school? So we went. We went. We always joke around. <laughs> we always joke around. So, I went to Desert Pines High School. It's on the um, east side of town, and he went to uh, Canyon Springs on the north side of town. We were supposed yeah. to go against each other my junior year of high school and his senior year of high school. But my team got into a fight the game before, <laughs> and I can say I'm the reason for that fight, but I'm not even going to get into that. So, we always joke about that whole situation because we had to forfeit our game against them. Is that so it, right? So it counted as a win for his team and not ours. <laughs> so he always always tries to joke and say, yeah, we would have whooped y'all. I said, nah, man. We, we had too many guys on our team, man. But, um, I love it. But, yeah, I, I feel like he, 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 he practiced super good and all of that stuff, man. And there's a whole bunch of uh, guys on the team like that. Everybody wants to practice as hard as they can so they can improve their play onto the field when we are going against our opponents. Well, Darius, you're a great young man, and so is Kevon. And as Coach said, he wants great athletes coming here to this program with character. Yes. And that's who you are. I appreciate Both you. of you guys. And we, we are lucky to have you. Come on out and see Darius Stewart this weekend. Get in the end yep. zone a couple of times, okay? Gotcha. And uh, catch, a, catch a pass out of the backfield. Take it to the house against Weber State. I got you, sir. Love it. Number Four. zero, Darius Stewart. I'm Blake Olson along with Matt Gator. Join us coming up uh, at noon on Saturday as UNC takes on Weber State going for the first uh, victory of the season. You yes, guys sir. are going to get this thing. Yes, we are. Uh, I love the program. Love what you're doing. Terry Gaber, thank you very much. Micah Kilpatrick back at the mothership. 
at KFKA. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you next Tuesday on the UNC Coaches Show.